0: Of that. So,
1: good morning oh my gosh we have missed you it's been oh my it feels like it's been two months since we've seen everybody doesn't it Callie? I forgot that March had five weeks. And so since we do the second and the fourth week of uh, every month for these gather virtuals, we had that extra week where we were off and I was just like missing my people. Were you missing your people? It was too long. It was way too long. We should you never go were- that long again. Well we're glad everybody's here. We are not going to do a lot of uh, small talk today because we've got a really important subject that we want to talk about and we want to have time for discussions in the comments and to hear from our guests today. We have Susie Reese who I'm going to allow to uh, introduce herself and then Mariah Hata will be joining in just a few moments. But Susie go ahead and tell everybody uh, who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into the topic today.
0: Okay. These are always fun. Um, I like long walks on the beach. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, yeah, who doesn't? But um, so my name is Susie Reese. I'm actually half Korean and my father was in the military and met my mother in Korea. And um, I was adopted by my dad's parents after he passed when I was 10. So I've, I've lived in Arkansas pretty much my entire life. Have traveled and and been to other places as well. But um, so I often refer to myself as the Southern Fried Asian because I'm Korean, but I was raised in the South. So you know, obviously. Um, I am a violence prevention strategist. I do a lot of public speaking on mental health. Suicide prevention in particular is my specialty, but I do bystander intervention, violence-related things like sexual assault, all those things, um, and fun stuff like resilience, self-care, the the good things that we can do too. So that's a little bit about me.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And Mariah. Mariah. Awesome. Um, Will you take a moment, um, just a few seconds, to introduce yourself to our audience before we jump in um, to this really important topic?
2: Yes, good morning. How are you? I'm Mariah Hada, and I live here in Little Rock. I'm a Japanese-American. My father is an immigrant from uh, Japan. He came over from Tokyo and went straight to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And my mother is um, Caucasian with a Scotch. Irish uh, English background. And I um, am a mostly a political consultant, have worked in all levels of government and on political campaigns and I'm one of the founders of one of our political parties, um, Asian American uh, Pacific Islander caucuses. And I'm glad to be here this morning. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So um, as you've seen from the promotions and hopefully from uh, my video yesterday, There's a lot going on right now in America as a whole. You've seen images on the news about Asian Americans being terrorized. Um, There's been commercials that say stop Asian um, American hate, stop violence against Asians. Um, But the thing is, this isn't new. Anti-Asian sentiment has been a problem for, for a very, very long time. It's just coming back into the headlines as of late because of the crazies out there that are doing unconscionable things. And it's so easy for people to say, well, that doesn't affect me. That doesn't affect us. That happened in New York or that happened in Oregon or that happened. Well, I'm here to tell you that happens in Arkansas, too. That happened in Bentonville. Uh, not in Bentonville. That happened in Hot Springs a couple of weeks ago, where a, a, fired, uh, a fire, a fire fire captain. I'm not sure. That's irrelevant. In in uh, Oakland Hot Springs, uh, attacked verbally attacked somebody and ended up having to resign from his job because of that. Um, and even more so, you know. Our country has a long history. We're aware in school, we learn about the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. We're very well of the Vietnam War. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but there are also Japanese internment camps here in De- Deshaies County in Arkansas. There's a long history of painful things in this country. And I think some of that is what forms some ig- ignorant stereotypes. Um, that have been perpetuated through generational cycles. And so now we're bringing our friends together to the table to to really talk about that and not just give this like blank overview, but to really get to the heart of of what this feels like and what this looks like um, for, for this community of people. Um, and again, I think it's important for you to watch this, tag people, comment in the post, ask your questions, because I think a lot of us, if we sit down and look, will recognize that we don't know all the answers. We might not know how to respond if we're a bystander and we're observing something. We might not necessarily know how to defend ourselves. Susie can tell us a little bit more about that a little later. Um, And also, it's important for us to have the conversation now, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, to have this conversation with your children so they know how to treat people. Because a lot of stories you'll hear, um, some of these negative comments that are thrown at people, they start in elementary school, which means our kids are hearing it from somewhere. And, And if nothing else. This is a time for you to have those conversations with your kids before we send them back after this pandemic. And then again, some of these mentalities are from generational things that have been passed down through the years. I mentioned the wars and the bombings. You know, Those are our elders. Well, we need to have conversations with our elders. And if we can't change the mindsets of our elders, it's time to break those generational curses and say, even though grandpa or great grandpa thinks like that, that is not appropriate. If they use this terminology, that's not OK. Because this is 2021, and this is how we're going to do it going forward. So Preacher Adora is done. We're going to turn it over, and we're going to start with the round of questions. And Callie, do you mind kicking off the first uh, question for for our guests? And you're on mute. (laughs) Famous Facebook, or Zoom.
3: Good morning, ladies. We're so glad that you guys have joined us today. This is obviously a conversation that, um, as Adora said, we, it needed to be had. So um, without uh, talking anymore, uh, let's get to the first question. So um, ladies, obviously um, we have been in this pandemic for over a year now and um, just want to do a little temperature check. How are you feeling from everything that has been in the news recently? Um, and backing up to the beginning of the pandemic, when COVID nineteen began, um, was and was being dubbed as the China flu.
2: You want me to start? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, I mean, obviously, with when you turn on the news, it's just not happy. I mean, we we saw the tragic um, shooting of. Uh, dante right yesterday in minnesota and you know we're watching the um the hearings for uh, george floyd's uh, murder and you know we hear more and more about asian american uh, pacific islanders and asians being attacked just for being just for what their face looks like and so we're seeing just horrible things on the news and we're seeing more people go out we're seeing more um Public shoot. I mean, mass shootings. So it's just not really a happy time, um, and we've been enclosed so long. So there's also that stress. But I think specifically, you were kind of asking, you know, how we felt over the last year. We had a president who blatantly mocks any kind of organ, any kind of category of human um, that's other, that's different than he is, and he openly called the um, COVID-19 virus. He called it the China flu, the Kung flu, the Wuhan flu, and he made it acceptable to um, his people who were already looking for some reason to go after other people. He made it acceptable for them to mock Asians and and AAPIers, and almost you know he made it acceptable to attack them. So it's you know an uneasy time for everyone.
0: I agree, and I think too that. I have feedback on my end. Okay, um, you know I think that it's so easy that Adora mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the history that we learned when it comes to Asian American history, and when you really look at that, when you look at the the specifics around that history that is taught, it is always other. It's always not. It's always something that happened to another country or to people that are foreign. We're not really included in the fabric of American culture, which is really unfortunate. But also when you look historically back, um, these these choices of language that happened within the past year were very intentional. Um, Asians were looked at as disease carrying. They were looked at as um, being being that which would um, create all sorts of things, smallpox, um, any any types of diseases. And so that was what I would consider low-hanging fruit when it comes to propaganda, because it was already something that existed before. And now you have this other country that you can attach this to. And the issue isn't just that okay, maybe it's stemmed in China. We don't exactly know, right? The issue is that you are taking American citizens and othering them and saying, not only are they not one of us, but they are the cause of this thing that no one can control. And so you're creating fear and you're creating targets and you're doing it very intentionally. And, you know, for those who followed history, especially Asian American history and political agendas, it's very easy to see that this is propaganda and this was intentional. This wasn't something that was just randomly pulled out of the air. This is something that has gone on and on and on. Um, Many people are familiar with Ellis Island. Fewer people are familiar with Angel Island where they imprisoned Asians who were trying to come into the country and they, they, particularly isolated them because they wanted to make sure that they weren't bringing any diseases in. So, you know, this language for me, it was very upsetting. Um, I knew what was happening when it's like, when it really hit at first, I thought what's going on. Um, But then, you know, one leader says it and then more leaders and more leaders. And now the media is repeating it. And so it's very easy for those of us who have no influence to be influenced. And, you know, it's this isn't something that just happened in hot springs last year, um, I know of people all across the state that had things that happened, no one said anything, no media attention was made, because, to be honest, I don't think anyone really cared. Um, I think our numbers are so small when it in the in the scheme of American, you know population that you know, we didn't create enough of a, a, an issue for any other groups to pick up on it. So, you know, for me, I'm angry. <laughs> I think that's a little obvious. Um, I'm tired of it. It's exhausting. And it's also really frustrating because our community is different in a lot of ways and our size is a barrier for us.
1: I think it's very disheartening um... That uh, some of our leaders from this state have, have perpetuated um, those hateful names. And you know, a lot of people, they have that mob mentality. So it's like, well, if this leader said, said this, and you know what, let me, let me be real. If Tom Cotton goes out and calls it the China flu, and the majority of our our Kansans uh, support him um, politically. Then what he said must be okay, you know. And I think right. that's another thing that we need to look at. This is not a political conversation per se, because it's a humanity co- per, uh, conversation. So therefore, even if you look up to somebody and they say something wrong, you should call that out, you know. And even more so if it's someone who follows that person and supports them. They're gonna respect the people that follow them and support them even more when they call them out and say, "Hey, that's not okay," and they're gonna change their ways, as opposed to listening to people that aren't, you know, automatically supporting them. And so it's it you know it just it hurts my heart. I was educating a couple of people who don't live in Arkansas. And I'm like, well, one of the uh, senators from Arkansas was very vocal, you know, last uh, well actually exactly a year ago you know, um, calling it that. And I recall one of my good friends, I think you guys are friends with him too. His name is Joshua Price. And I had asked him like, um, if he had known any like specific people that had been affected from, from our Senator coining it, the China flu and we live in Arkansas. And he had sent me a couple of text messages where there were places and towns out here where people were getting spit on. You know, just going to Walmart, just to go to the grocery store, minding your business, and and people are spitting on you. So we're in a pandemic. We have no idea what COVID-19 is. We have no idea how you can catch it. You don't know if you have it until you get tested for it. But these people have the gall to go out and spit on people because of the way they look. Like... To me, that's that's like attempted murder, because I don't even know what you had when you're trying to spit on me, and that's that's wrong. Um, and, and obviously, I'm very passionate about it, because I hate when people treat people like this, especially for no apparent reason. But in addition to the stories that Joshua has told me, do, has anything happened to either of you personally, or do you know of like people that you know that are uh, that have heard things? And the reason why, because these are sick stories, and I know they pull at your heartstrings, but I think it's important for people to know that just because you see it on ABC News and they're reporting from New York or some other state doesn't mean that that does not happen to real people and that doesn't happen to people close to home. And I need people to know this is true. This is not propaganda that the news is putting out there to distract us from something else. This is real. Do you have any stories that you could share?
2: Um, I'll start with, I don't personally have any stories. Um, And luckily, you know, I, I, I worked um, in diverse uh, offices over the past year, but most of the time spent time at home. So, you know, I wasn't out around a lot of people. But throughout my life, kind of looking back, there's always been, as we discussed earlier, the other. So I'm multiracial. My father's Japanese and my mother's um, Caucasian. And so that within our own communities, was complicated. Within my own parents' um, families was complicated. In where I grew up, there were very few Japanese Americans. Uh, If I go to Japan, they know I'm not fully Japanese. So there was always, and nothing seemed like it was harmful, and it definitely wasn't physically harmful. But when you look back on it, if you never felt like you fully belonged, it does take a little bit of a toll. You have to... You have to, and I I credit my parents, you have to have your own um, self-worth and sense of self. You have to be a little stronger uh, because people are calling you out for not looking like them. But um, I'll hand it off to Susie because she may know some more specific and local um, instances.
0: So I I was similar to you, Mariah, that I didn't go anywhere after it really, at first with the pandemic, there was some concern about going out. But then pretty early on, um, I realized that I was more than usual being stared at. Um, And I say more than usual, because I'm always getting stared at. Um, That's that in Arkansas, you're, you're very used to it. I'm sure you know that feeling. Um, I'm normally the only Asian anywhere. Um, I've, made some jokes in the past when there's several of us together because it's so unusual when that happens um so for me you know it's it's very different because i don't know very many people that are the only one of of their race in a room 99 of the time Um, so you know i I chose pretty early on to not be out by myself because i was concerned um uh, very concerned for my safety I know that there was an incident in Malvern where a girl was coming out of uh, Walmart and as she was walking out, a car drove by, they slowed down. They called her um, a racial slur. They threw their Coke at her and they told her to go back to her country. She was born here. Um, I have friends. um, One of my friends lives in another state. Her mother was attacked when she was out um, and so many of my friends have, um, now told their parents that they're not allowed to go out without someone. Um, if they need groceries, they'll have them delivered or they'll, um, you know, they'll go for them. So I personally have not had anything happen to me other than just getting stared at. And, and again, you know, that happens that's happened my whole life. So I I, don't, I can't say that that was exactly what was going on, but it definitely heightened my awareness of being different.
2: And to go on that, um, there are at least forty eight countries that fall into the Asian country, the AAPI um, category. So, you know, Susie and I are East Asians, in Korea and Japan, but there are South Asians, there are Southeast Asians. Um, there are so many different countries that are represented people just look at someone with a face like ours and say oh they must be you know Chinese they must you know we're gonna blame it on them so um, there's that aspect too
1: you guys are uh, enlightening I think everybody that's watching definitely me um, and so with that with the assumptions um, Let's talk a little bit about microaggressions um, and what your experiences have been with that, um, personally, like growing up, but also in the workplace. Um, and and when we talk about that, let's talk about some things that people might not think are microaggressions, or they might not think are offensive, um, that actually are. And how do you how do you redirect that?
0: <laughs> do we have enough time for that? Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um yeah, so that's that uh, you know, I, I looked at that question and when I when I read them, I was like, that's a long question. So um, you know, I've had a lot of stuff happen over the past few weeks where I've had to kind of reevaluate situations that have happened to me and think, oh, that that was also microaggression, or that was just blatant racism that I was kind of oblivious to. And I've done several events like this over the past few weeks, and um, a few people I've been lucky enough to be on these panels with had Kind of said the same thing that you know things have happened so often to us that we kind of normalized it as just oh that's just at some point in the month i'm waiting for someone to say something (laughs) you know um it's like oh there's there's my quota but you know it it it, it's so many things um just last year i had to do an event and there was gentleman he went to a chinese buffet restaurant and he was like i went and got some korean food um, what is this and he meant well i think but i, I told him I was like sir that's not korean food because he knew i was korean and he said no it's korean food and i said sir it's not korean food like you asked me for my input <laughs> you gonna listen to me or not so um it, you know and i was trying i was trying so hard to be nice but i also wanted to just be like that's like that's not it um when I go, when I get my nails done, um, I've had a lot of, of women ask me if I did them myself. And at one point I had a friend say, you know, no one asks me that when I go get my nails done. And I thought, Oh, <laughs> like, cause I didn't, wow. realize. I just didn't even, I never thought about it that wow. way. Um, I have had more inappropriate comments about my um, sex organs than I can count. I've had a lot of men ask very inappropriate things, make very inappropriate jokes about my anatomy. Oh my um, just as, almost immediately um, when they meet me, things have been said, and it's always very awkward because, you know, how do you reply to that? Um, and I could tell you, I'm sure Mariah has as many as I do all of the things that are just none of your business that should never be said. Wow. Um, So I could go on. I'll let you go.
2: (laughs) Um, Luckily in the workplace, there hasn't been anything drastic that I've experienced, but there's some things sort of um, like Susie was saying, you know, where are you from? Well, I live in Little Rock. No, where are you from? I'm like, I grew up in the, you know, born and raised in the Midwest. And so I'm like, oh, you want to know about Ohio, and they're like, "No, where are you really from?" I'm like, "Oh, well, my father's Japanese and my mother's American." You know, and, and and that's sort of a that's an assumption right there. Like, you're obviously not from here, which you know, we're Arkansans. so there's a lot there's a lot of that here in Arkansas. Like, where are you from? <laughs> you know, or um, you know, sort of the uh, mixing of things as simple as foods. You know, this is oh, this is Japanese well it's not really any Japanese I've ever had but I'm not saying that I you know I'm the expert but I'm not the expert on certain things I, I shouldn't know everything about you know a country that's you know thousands of years old um, when I grew up here uh, so it's it's difficult uh, but it's not you know you don't feel like you're physically hurt so you, you kind of just take it on and then maybe it keeps building and that's where the problem comes um, but it's little things. And some people are, you know, they have no idea. And here's sort of an opposite thing. I've had a couple of people, um, they're like, well, I don't even see you as not white. I'm like, well, I'm not eschewing, you know, my mother's background, but my father is not even American, you know, like, I, I, I'm not white, I'm multiracial. And, you know, and that's kind of like a." oh, you're like us, which I think they're trying to compliment me, but it's like, well, you're not seeing who I am. And then you're also calling on the people that I identify as, you know, uh, people that a community I identify with, apparently they're, you know, not good enough for either of us. So there's, it's, it's tough. And a lot of people don't mean ill or mean to be doing something that's inappropriate,
0: but you see even your close friends do it sometimes. The, the not right. I've had that happen a few times. Um, and it is, they do mean it as a compliment. And it's, it's not a compliment. You're erasing part of who right. I am. And there's a beauty in, in this culture that, that we're attached to. And, and being a half, um, it's not easy. And, and when you um. erase that, you also erase that struggle and that, that resilience that comes with it and it's really unfair to do that um and and i'm half white too and i'm very proud of you know my father and where i came from on that side um but that's not all of me so right mm. love that that's not all of me
3: yeah right. well and and susie you really touched on a on an interesting point um that actually leads us into our next question Um, about stereotypes and objectification. So, um, you know, do you, do you all believe that um, that you are more susceptible to stereotypes and objectifications? And if so, what are some examples and, and, and how, how, tell us about that. How does that make you feel?
0: Um, It depends on my mood. Sometimes I make a smart ass comment back. So, you know, it just, (laughs) uh, you you know, it's, it just depends, but um, yes, I do think that it's different. Um, I've, I've felt, and it's not just from the male gender. There are, and I, this is recently something that's come up to me um, from others, but that, you know, sometimes women have been intimidated, quote unquote, and, and I've, ha- I've heard that comment my whole life, and it only recently occurred to me that it could be in part because I'm Asian. Um, I, I just didn't realize, I don't know, I'm not 100%, I'm still figuring my life out, but so um, I have had people say a lot of things like what I said earlier, um, but you know, I think too that historically Asian women were considered when they came to America that they were gonna be prostitutes. And, you know, we were, um, we had a quota. They only allowed, um, so many women for every man that was of Asian descent. So for every 1,000 men, there were only 76 women who were allowed into the country until around the 1940s. Mm. Um, and that was because there was this fear that was built up with propaganda that everyone that was female and Asian would, would succumb to prostitution. And so men who were married, um, weren't even allowed to bring their wives in, it didn't matter. And you know, you hear the things about um, women, uh, Asian women being submissive, and I just laugh because <laughs> you know me. <laughs> there's no way <laughs> um, but we're supposed to be quiet and and we bow our heads and you know we we do what the man wants and our, our entire world sort just revolved around having a man and taking care of him and bathing him and feeding him and not choking him like I want to do you know um, <laughs> so I think it's it's kind of ironic because if you know a lot of Asian women that is. not the case at all. Um, Very, very strong. I mean, very vocal, very much run the house very much in charge. And that's not, you know, that's a stereotype too, but um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of stuff that's happened. um, And I think that there is that concept of um, different, there's a definite fetish there. The, the line I've never been with an Asian, I can't tell you how many times um, I've heard that. I have to be very cautious when I, if I date about who I'm dating, because I, if they have an Asian fetish, that's not about me. They don't care about me. They just want that. They want this thing. And, and it's an object to have. Um, and so dating is difficult, but
3: yeah. It's difficult anyway. And now you have that. <laughs> been, like, yeah. oh.
1: Ugh. wow, I'm, I'm blown by that.
2: Yeah, I think Susie covered it really for me that you know the the stereotypes of the women is you know we put them over here and it's either positive kind of or it's totally negative but it's, it's not reality.
1: No. I I do want to ask, and I know this isn't on there and you guys are going to look at me like this was not in our questions at (laughs) all. Because that just like tugged at my heart, what you just said, Um, especially with dating. Because, yeah, we all struggle with that. But that's, I mean, that's scary. That's almost like psychotic. You know, like you're you're focused on this thing to the point where you don't even recognize that this is a person, a human being, like who has a character, you know, and has so much richness and you're so focused on this object. Do you feel like that? comes more from men like those stereotypes and the objectification or do you think there's like like women do that to women as well or or do you see it more from like men it just that blows my mind that's so sick I think
0: both sides um and I I don't know that it's as much with women but I've definitely had women make comments to me um and I've had women who were very obvious that they were concerned about me in their realm when it came to men that that they might have been seeing and and you know it's so weird because you don't want to like put that out there and say well that's what's happening but it but it has happened and I've, I've been in situations where I'm talking to a guy just in a conversation and the girl will walk up and immediately get in front of him almost as though, you know, to like keep me and I'm, I don't want, I, we're just talking, like I'm yeah, not trying to. Right. So, you know, I think back and I'm like, well, is that because of that propaganda of, you know, us being very sexual and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so you think of me in that way and maybe he somehow in. So I don't know, you know, I think that the, there's a lot of layers to it and yeah. you know, I've had those issues and I don't want to, you know, um, put put that on or um assume it but it's hard not to at least question
1: yeah well i was even looking at because i have a teenager and he's very much into anime japanese anime um and he's an artist and he likes to write but i i do notice a lot and thank god right now for me he just does um heads when he draws
0: but like very graphic Yeah. yeah
1: But yeah, the way in which um they um the characters are portrayed, you know, and the, the men are big and bulky and brawny and these women like they put Barbie to shame.
0: Yeah. I always wonder have- how they can stand upright. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, well that, that be- I mean that would be created by I mean, that would be originally created by the Japanese themselves. So that's a whole different conversation um, yes yeah okay. yeah probably oh, yeah. you know goes into misogyny versus anything else yeah
3: and that that actually you know I've, I've had a question about that I, I have a, a really 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 good friend that um and she's from South Korea and she told me that when she turned um, 18 her uncle offered to uh, buy her plastic surgery for her face and she you know obviously she was born and raised in Long Island and so she was like why is my uncle offering to you know off as plastic surgery as as a and her mom I guess said that that is just something that all cousins have done and she just she just said you know that it she said it felt like a lot of times that her friends were trying to emulate what was in the anime and in the drawings and be that and so do you think that that's that, that has been damaging, or do you think so, it, people just can't separate?
0: I think to start, you know, that we're talking, what there's a couple of things happening, and I just wanna make sure that um, I unpack it correctly. So, you know, Asian American is not the same as Asian culture. And Asian culture, like Mariah said, there's 48 different countries. And so it's all very different. In South Korea, plastic surgery is unfortunately, and this is the American in me coming out, a a huge part of that culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes people will even get plastic surgery in order to try and get a job. Um, Appearance is very important over there. And that can create issues for me um, on the, I'm not Asian enough. I'm not Korean enough because I'm very, very much proud of being half. I'm proud of, of having this access to both sides of, of my, my worlds. And so it's different and there's a different mentality, a different mindset. Um, And just like K-pop and all of those things. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a part of, it's it's a part of Korean culture but I'm not just Korean so you know that's all all different conversations (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and and, you know an anime and all of those things and you know I I think that there's beauty in in different cultures and different um conversations around that but it's also it's not American so it's hard for me to know exactly the like I can see it and I can understand it but I'm I wasn't raised in that
3: Right, right right
2: Right,
0: right. And it goes back to what Adora
2: touched on. And it's also the basis of all racism, otherism, you know, that take something and you depersonalize a person, you make them less than human. You, you know, you could make the a cartoon or something where then it's easy to hate or put other aspects on someone, sexualize, um, you know, all of that is easy because you're not seeing them as a person because you would never do that to another human Mm -hmm. or, you know, you'd never do that to an animal. You'd never do that to a living being. But if in your head, they're somehow separate, it's not so bad, Mm
0: -hmm. you know? Mm
2: -hmm. That's so right. And and we (laughs) do that across the board. I mean, people do that across the board. Yeah, they do. They do.
1: So this next question is a bit of a doozy. um, We're going to bring it. (laughs) There's been some pushback from other ethnic groups, um, and I'm calling us out my my own um, African Americans um, and others who obviously do not condone hate crimes against Asians, but at the same time, they're unwilling to enter the fight because of the long history of Um, anti-Black sentiment within the um, Asian community. Um, And so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. I'll chime in with mine too, Um, you know, and just talk about the history, because we do have some people of uh, color that are watching this. Um, And for those of you who are watching, feel free to add to the comments and I'll I'll mention those as well. But do one of you want to kind of just address that? It's kind of like the big elephant in the room.
2: Um, there, there is definitely, um, you know, that issue and I've been, um, I'm active on clubhouse and I've been on, um, and in some rooms where I think I've been invited into the room so that, um, others can just attack me as being Asian and AAPI, um, and, you know, it, it kind of hits you like, wait a second, what's happening here? But, and it's because of, did you come here on your own? And yes, I, I mean, I, well, I didn't, but my father literally came here on his own. And I'm not saying, and we definitely did not come from a place without different privileges on either side of my family. So we have to recognize that, um, especially the African-American Um, community there is a horrible tragedy that will always be part of that community and we have to recognize that and we have to recognize the struggles and we have to recognize the advancements that leaders in the african-american community have done that we have all benefited from and so I understand if there's kind of a wait why did you guys just show up or where were you when we needed you and we can only combat that sort of within our own communities, within our own friends, within, you know, I can't go out there. I was not gonna, you know, start fighting with everyone in this room on Clubhouse, cause that's not my way. And I was also so taken aback, but those are much less, um, those are definitely more rare than other people saying, hey, we see what's going on. We wanna see what we can, you know, like last summer oh my God, what is going on in Minnesota Then what is going on in all these other states that are reacting to Minnesota. So I think as people, as you know, the four of us here reaching out, we need to continue to do that. And But we need to acknowledge that there are people who have come before us who have experienced worse um, and who have been treated worse every day and have Moved forward by um, their own accord, by their own leaders, and that we need to make sure it doesn't look like we're trying to steal that or appropriate it. Um, that we just need to acknowledge what has happened before and um, what others have done for us as Americans.
0: Mm. I'm so sorry that sorry. happened. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. absolutely unacceptable. I mean, just period. Don't don't invite people in for that. And I it can't was, imagine it was
2: very bizarre.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I agree and I think that when it comes to looking back you know I'm gonna keep bringing up the fact that there's a lot of history and I think that we have not we've not had our chance to really be highlighted historically speaking. Um, If you look at the early 90s when right before Rodney King um, happened um, you know there were a lot of Koreans that were moving into the African-American community and they were opening up stores Um, There was a lot of propaganda that was happening within the media. There was propaganda both in the Korean um, papers and in those that were English. Um, And so, and and both of them were against each other. So Koreans were reading that African-Americans did not want them in their community. They didn't think they were respectful. Um, And then the African-American community is reading that Koreans are rude, Koreans are taking over. And so that was all very intentional. And then you have the Rodney King incident happen and it's, it's all over the country. I mean, everyone that was alive then, I'm not gonna say how old everyone is, but um, <laughs> remembers that. And it, was, it wasn't, unfortunately, it's not been the last time, but it was um, a moment in history where I think a lot of people came together. Com- that community came together, the African-American community, the Korean-American community, all types of people came together and they protested and they wanted to be heard and they wanted to be seen. Um, before Rodney King, there was Vincent Chen, 1982. Um, he was thought to have been Japanese and he was attacked on the street. Yep. Uh, and he was a Chinese man a week before his wedding. Um, Asians have had, historically speaking, we haven't had um, as hard of a time as African-Americans. I mean we don't have the same amount of population. Let's just be honest. Our numbers are not as big. In Arkansas, it's less than 1%. So when we talk about showing up, I, I need people to realize that we are showing up, but you have to look for us too. Because there aren't as many of us here. And right. that's been intentional, historically speaking. We had a quota. We weren't allowed into the country. They were concerned about us coming in and immigrating and taking over. Um, Rock Springs massacre happened in Wyoming. My, Chinese miners were attacked. They were burned. They were murdered. 38 people died. And those white men who did it, guess what happened?
1: Nothing. They went
0: to trial and then they got, they got off. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's not the same. And we can't say it's the same, but any people that has not fit the the historical narrative has had stuff happen. And I think it's so important for, uh, for me, and I'm speaking for myself here, when I speak to others to help them realize that we just don't have that many people. And especially in communities like Arkansas. So when we have things happen, it hurts on an even deeper level because we need allies. We need people to come to the table and understand that, that we don't have the same amount of numbers, mm-hmm. but in 10 years, that's not going to be the case because Asians are immigrating in and Asian Amer- the Asian American community is growing rapidly and we will see shifts when that happens. But right now, this is what we're working with. And, and when we're speaking out, we need others to not speak over, but to help us be heard. Right.
1: Um, I will say um, I On 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 social media, I'm a part of a lot of groups, and when I posed this question into a group that was predominantly um, comprised of blacks, they brought up Latasha Harlins, who was a a 15 year old um, during that time that you spoke of, Susie, um, in Los Angeles um, in the 90s. I know the
0: incident.
1: Yeah, Um, and it was it was. I think the Rodney King incident happened shortly after. It was was around the same era. And she was a a 15-year-old black girl who was uh, getting, um, I think she was buying something and she had her money in her hand. And the owner of the convenience store was Korean and and killed her. And so I'm, I'm setting that up to say that that happened in 91. And I've had a really hard time reconciling with people that look like me who are not empathetic to what's going on because of that incident that happened many years ago. Uh, because as you said things have been happening to everybody for a very long time and while that was absolutely horrible that doesn't make it acceptable for something happening right in front of your face to continue to happen without you saying something or speaking up.
0: And like, no one I- yeah, I think ahead. too, you know, I don't condone what happened there. I'm not saying that that was acceptable at all. Um, I think that there were additional forces that were, th- that were at play. That mm-hmm. definitely played into it because had the media not played up these tensions, exactly, no one would have walked in with that tension and no one would have been standing there with that tension for that to happen. And that was very intentional. And I think that it's so important for us to recognize that words have power. The media has power and yes. they are influencing us. And it's, it's, it's obvious, you know, mm-hmm. um, that incident is, is upsetting. And, and her fine, I think she had, it was either 300 or $500, um, the, the lady that owned the store and, and got off with a fine. And of course that's upsetting because if someone murders someone, um, they should be held accountable. Yeah. And I think that that's where the problem is, is because you know, unfortunately as Asian Americans, we have this proximity to whiteness mm-hmm. and it's been used against us, but it's been used against other minorities as well and that's not something that we necessarily brought on for ourselves or claimed it's Um, like we're pitted against each other exactly because if we're divided then it's harder for us to come together and fight and be heard and And it's much more easy for them to to use us and to, to to maintain power and so i think it's important for us to recognize that these things have happened historically but until we come to the table and start talking about it and owning what's happened because yes that that was between our communities and there were a lot of things that happened there that shouldn't have happened and i don't condone it whatsoever i don't think that what happened as far as the 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 fine was acceptable because no life it can be valued at three right. or five hundred dollars um but how are we going to learn from that and move forward
1: right what and also scared? the anger is misplaced because like you said that fine was not okay but that fine is the responsibility of that judge that made that decision, and that goes back to them and how they valued the life that was taken. Um, and so, again, you know, I, I appreciate these conversations because it also gives us an opportunity to step back and say, okay, hold on, like we're kind of our, our puppet strings are being tugged by the puppet master, and it's like it's like we're all being thrown into a ring for a battle royale, you know. And we need to recognize that and not give in to that. Right. Right.
2: Who, who's not in the ring? Who's cheering on the <laughs> ring? You know, who, who, who is He's making not... money on
0: the side? Let's be
2: honest. Right. He's like, like taking money in like, the door. Yeah, exactly. You know, wait, we're fighting against each other. Where, where are the other people? <laughs> you know, what are they doing? Yeah. That's why these kind of things are so useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, Every day I watch some other heartbreaking documentary or something um, since I've hoped so much. And I just keep learning more and more. You know, no one's perfect. And I can, you know, speak from my own um, heritage and background. No one's perfect, but I can only take care of what I'm doing for moving forward.
1: Callie, before you jump to the next question, um, there is one that came from the comments that I think is interesting, and I would love to hear what um, Mariah and Susie have to say. It says, do you think there's a certain privilege that comes with the Asian proximity to white in our culture that some Asians may be afraid of losing if they are seen as allies with African Americans? And thanks for that, Shauna.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a layered conversation. And I think that when you look at the proximity to whiteness, that tends to be East Asians. Um, that's, that tends, we tend to be the ones that are considered the model minority because if you look at um, a lot of those from other Asian countries, they are, they are very low on the, on the scale when it comes to like economic um, you know, rankings. Um, you think Vietnamese or Cambodian or even Filipino, they, they tend not to be in those higher brackets. Um, even Koreans are about, about midway. Um, you know, I think that's a difficult question because I'm sure there's some, <laughs> that, let's be honest. You know, I mean, we've all been essentially bred through society to to want to... To look a certain way so we can pass and get by, and it's about keeping your heads down to some extent. And I mean that's probably going to get me in trouble for saying that, but um, you know I think that that some some especially in in the older generations of Asians they just wanted to get by. They didn't want to create a fuss. Right. They didn't want you know anyone to look at them, and and so that's where all these microaggressions and things have really. Kind of layered on top of each other because racist things have been happening towards us for years, but no one would say anything because we were concerned that we would um, stand out or that we would get in trouble, or and we knew we didn't have that power. We knew when it came right down to it, like, what are we going to do? Well, there's not enough of us, um, and we're not going to win. So let's just let's just manage. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's right. Um, at all. And I think that that is a really frank conversation that we in our communities need to be having about, you know, like, let's unpack our privilege, because we do have it. Um, And what does that mean for us, if we are going to be allies to other people of color, um, or other marginalized communities. And and I think that that also means that we have to be willing to use that privilege to others benefits as well. um, If we know that.
2: And the so-called model minority is not a name that we gave ourselves, you know, just like orientals, not a name we gave ourselves. It was, it's given to you by someone else. And then when you don't fit into it or it's used against you, like, you know, you don't have it so bad. You're such and such. It's not something that we asked for. It's not something that we embraced. It's not something really that many people can achieve so you know you kind of accept that it's out there you accept how other people see you and the perspective you know that that perspective was very helpful sometimes you don't think about that but um and we can't speak for individuals but also we've discussed sort of how new we are as a there are two things we're new as a group that that kind of sees each other as the same group because we're not the same you know the 48 countries so you you're not really banding together if I'm and this isn't what happened there weren't Japanese Americans where I grew up Um, but if there had been a Japanese community my parents may have associated with them or they may not have because they are a mixed couple but they weren't necessarily going, okay, we now need to reach out to this Asian community because we're Asian. So there's a newness to our own identification. And then there is um, the, you know, we, certain, you know, groups came here, and we're going to keep our head down because we're doing what we need to do. They're not, you know, necessarily going, oh, we want to get involved politically. And so that's what we're finally seeing the tipping point of you can't attack our elders, you can't attack women. You can't like now we're seeing, okay, we've got to speak up. And so it's a, it's a time, it's everything's leading to this moment of why you're seeing more Asians speak out.
0: And I think and so, on top of ahead. what you said, I like the, the model minority comment because you know when, when the, the war happened with Japan that was propaganda that was created. They used Japanese Americans um, in order to say, hey, we're, we're really not racist. Um, right. We have these that support us over here. See, let's, let's put them in front of the TV and show them off. And that's where that model minority myth comes from is because they're the good ones. See, the, these are their good ones and we support them because right. all of the world was looking at America going, well, what are you doing? You have people in your country from this country how are you treating them like this? And they were right. like, we're not that bad. We're really not that bad. But right. then also on on top of the newness is we were all scared we were gonna get put in internment camps or right. sit people back wearing to a, to a
2: you know, I'm Chinese, yeah. you know, wearing a button I'm, and be like, I'm Korean, I'm not, I'm
0: not yeah. right. Yeah. Because because there was this fear, and so that has kept us quiet for a long time. Because this was there was this fear of being treated as a foreigner, being sent right. somewhere that we weren't even from, or being put in a camp. And and so I need I need people to realize that there's a lot of layers to it.
3: Right. Well, you know, ladies, we we touched a little bit on it, but um, when we talk about allyship. Um, I think often people think that uh, they're taking up for a cause, but they're getting it all wrong because they assume what is right or helpful uh, without first asking those directly impacted. So um, real quickly, what does solidarity solidarity and allyship look to the AAPI community and to you personally?
2: Well, As you've heard, we're still working on it. Um, but like with any, I see with any issue, any community, any situation, ask what can I do for you? You know, what, what do you need? So if I was going to, you know, a meeting that you and Adora were having about something, wh- what can I do to help you in Cali? Um, so, what, you know, if you're coming from outside of the AAPI community, what can I do that would help
0: Asians
2: and Asian American Pacific Islanders?
0: I think um, when we have when we have the opportunity as minorities to be at the table, we have to really speak up for those who aren't. Um, And unfortunately, I found myself at some tables where I was the only minority, and there have been times where I've had to speak up and say, you know, this isn't this isn't representative of this community at all. And I think that you know it is harder because there aren't as many of us, but there are a lot of us who are very very strong and very um, vocal and will work and, and and show up and do what we need to do. And so when we have opportunities to build our futures, we really need to be including as many people as we can at the table so that we can make sure that those voices are heard. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just sit me down and check that box. I'm tired of that. I'm, I'm tired of being the box um, because I'm not the only Asian American woman in Arkansas. Right. Um, so, don't just put me in the box. Um, and if I'm not the person, let me help you find the person that you need because sometimes I'm not the right fit for something, but there's more than just me.
2: Right. And we got to hold that door open and bring in all our folding chairs and pull them up to the table and share some um, kimchi. And- I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll take some kimchi. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Well, um, ladies, I know we don't have a have a ton of time left, but if you um, could have these the woman, women listening take away anything from today, what is what is the more, most important thing that you want them to hear?
2: Mariah, you want to go? Um, okay. Well, I want to thank <laughs> I want to thank both you and Adora um, for having us. So these these conversations are exactly what we have to have. Um, so that we hear each other and we we hear what other people might think because I mean every day I'm like oh I never thought and and I usually ad nauseum try to think through all the possibilities of things you know I'm one of those worst case scenario and then you go back to like you know if this happens this happens and that's just how I think but I realize most people don't do that um, or they don't do it for everything because it it gets a little tiresome Um, but I wanna thank you guys for doing that. And if to take away, I will just say, try to learn as much as you can and try to reach out to the people you can. You know, If they are Asian, that'd be great, but just try to reach out to your friends who are um, different than you, because it, it's pretty much likely that there's no one exactly like you, um, that you're out there. And I, I think that's, that's,
0: I'll echo that point. Um. You know, there's so many stories and there's so many things that have happened throughout history and there's so many di- different types of people and we can't grow until we have the opportunity to connect with these types of, of, of stories. And so it's, it's really a shame for me. Um, I feel it's a shame to have the opportunity to learn about people and to connect and like truly broaden yourself as a person and choose not to. Um, I just don't, those are the types of people that always confuse me because there's so much beauty in the world and there's so many lessons that we can help one another with. And sometimes your hard story might be what I need to get me through my hard time. So I think it's so important for us to do that, to share so that we can help each other.
1: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. That was the mic drop moment. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yep. <laughs> and that passed off the
3: mic, she dropped
1: it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I, I do want to say, um, and I know we're running out of time, two quick little things. One, um, my mom had come um, after um, listening to one of these and she had asked, you know, how do you, without like embarrassing someone. Um, let them know that you know you stand in solidarity with you. She she patronizes a lot of um, Asian owned businesses. And she's like, you know, they don't know me by name, but, you know, they recognize my face because I'm a regular and I don't want to be that obnoxious person that's like, hi, I'm here for you. And she's like, but at the same time, I, I kind of want them to know that I see what's happening and I care. And, you know, whatever I can do, whether in front of the scenes or behind the scenes, like I'm I'm here, I support your business and therefore I support you. Um, just for those people who are watching, can you just tell them, like, is that is that an okay to, way to do it and how would you approach it if you if they do
2: i would think it is okay i mean obviously if your mother is that type of person that wants to you know scream you know she has to be your authentic self Mm -hmm. but you know maybe you pull aside the manager or the the owner or you slip them a note and just thank them and say you know i'm here for your business and i recognize that you know you this is a difficult time for your community and I'm here for you. I mean, just the people that are reached out to me, um, you know, I didn't think it would mean anything. Cause you know, I'm not, thank God, you know, nothing's happening to me personally or my family, but it has meant something. And, you know, it's just been, you know, a text or an email or, you know, just a phone call, you know, they just say something in the conversation.
0: Hmm. I agree. No, I think a thank, thank you, you, a thank you goes so far, and just that moment of um, I appreciate you. You yeah. know that, like, to, when someone looks you in the eyes and just says like Thank you," mm-hmm. it, you might feel weird just because you're staring at someone, but it it means <laughs> something, you know. And I think right. I think honestly, let's be honest. Like financial support, that's that's huge. Like if you're gonna go and like. You know, go to the communities and support these communities because that's their livelihoods and not just um, Asian American communities, but any minority communities anytime that you can do that because we, we, this is how we're surviving and some of us aren't doing great. And so you showing up, that's, that is everything that you could possibly do for someone. Mm mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you on that, ladies. This has been a great discussion. We actually just finished a Money Talk series that was a three-part series. And I know you mentioned a couple times, Susie, that some of the questions had many layers and you've got my Mm -hmm. wheels turning in my hands. (laughs) I would also like to talk um, one day about... um, families who adopt um, Asian children, and what that dynamic looks like. So we hope to have both of you on again in the future, Uh, but we are so grateful for this conversation and for people being um, vulnerable enough to be very candid and just, you know, honest. And I hope that everyone watching will share and will take away some strong points. And, please come back you too as well and drop some resources into the comments let us know some businesses that we can patronize some um advocacy programs that we can get involved with or financially support and we will keep this going we do not want to be reactive we want to be a proactive community Mm -hmm. we want to keep this going indefinitely so thank you again and to all of you all out there watching Callie tell them what they've got coming up we've got a big surprise (laughs) Well, ladies, um, as you know, uh, gather virtual
3: is not uh, the only program that uh, the only way that we gather and women gather. But we have our much anticipated gather table coming up on May 6th. Mark your calendar down. May 6th. Uh, We're going to uh, later this week release the tickets, the um, speaker topics. We've got three incredible ladies lined up to give you guys some words of wisdom and guide us through into this time of transformation in spring. But we're so excited to be able to see a lot of your faces in person and to gather around the table. Um, and so please keep that um, in mind, keep an eye keep an eye out for any announcements on that. We're so excited to be able to share that time with you.
1: And don't forget the best part about gathering around the table is not only that you're going to hang out with your girlfriends. The food. <laughs> We get food. food! Yay! <laughs> so don't forget to save the date, Thursday, May sixth. Put it down right now. We're gonna give you three seconds. One, two, three. Did you save it? Better on be the down. Phone? Better be written yeah. down. We hope to see you. We <laughs> hope to see you. All right. So our next virtual will be on April twenty seventh. And do you have that topic for us? <laughs> <laughs> I put yes, you on the um, it's
3: it, sorry. Uh, yes, it is about advocating for yourself. Often, ladies, we do not do a great job of speaking up when we need to be heard and advocating for ourselves when we're not um, getting what we need and feeling validated. So that'll be a conversation about how to, how to be your own champion, how to talk yourselves up and advocate for yourself in the correct way so that we can start getting to the places that we need to be at.
1: There you go, you advocate for yourself to get that job advocate for yourself to start that on your own business. Whatever you dream, whatever your goal is, we're going to talk about how do you put yourself out there to go get it. And so with that, we turn you back to your workday or your just day at home or whatever. Your wonderful Tuesday. Have a great one. And we will see you on two weeks. And again, thank you, Mariah. And thank you, Susie. And thank you for everybody who joined us today. We will talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Bye.